Sleepers Podcast, Thursday, February 15th. Carter Elliott in the building with his slipper flip. Uh, Greg Waddell here. Carter, did you have a good Valentine's Day? I did have a pretty good Valentine's Day. I had a, you know, classic uh, flowers, chocolates, a couple of small gifts here or there. Um, now that this episode has been, you know, releasing out, I can let you know of, of my Valentine's Day plan. Would you like to take a guess? I'll give you one hint. It's not food related. What is it? We are having a private pottery class. That's a lovely Valentine's gift. Yeah, like I'm about to. What's that one movie with ghosts? I'm about to be like, you know, what I'm saying, like, uh, I'm, a, I'm about, you know, what I'm, saying? I'm about to be forming some things. You feel me? Big form. Meg's gonna love that. That's an incredible gift. Uh, I'm excited to see you form. That'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, I, I feel you're going to end up pretty good at this somehow. I'm I'm actually like really banking on making like a nice piece, like something I can like bring, maybe put in the background or something. Like I want to make, what, what should I make? Do you have anything specific in mind already or no? I don't, I was thinking like a, um, like something you put at the front door to like throw your keys in and like loose, like that, that loose. Oh, loose, just um, like, like one of those little random bowls. Like yeah, either either that or like one of those low rising like fruit bowls. Mm, that could be good too. Yeah, I like both. Or we have a, I think the the best version of something like that I think you could make that we own is uh, somebody for our wedding gave us like a handcrafted uh, salad bowl. You might even remember that. Maybe not. But wait, is that is that the one? Is that the one we signed? Everybody signed the salad yeah. bowl. Now that's that that's different nice. than pottery, of course. But I we use that a good amount. It's fun. Yeah, we should probably stop talking about bowls before Zach Eady comes up. Haha, clever. Credit to you. By the way, we're recording this at 10 a.m. on Valentine's Day. I just wanted to see the lengths of what you would go to to lie when I ask you, like, how was your Valentine's Day? It seems like you were ready to just rock and lie. And lie? Yeah, I mean, Valentine's Day isn't over at the time we're recording this. We always record a day in advance behind the curtains for the listeners. But I said, how was your Valentine's Day? And you acted like Valentine's Day went great, and it's over. It's 10.55 in the morning on Valentine's Day. Well, I mean, everything that I've spoken about before outside of the pottery class has already been done. Like, I woke up this morning and, you know, did the gift-giving part. Mm. Did you get any, you know, I, 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 I'm I, in tune with uh you know, how to keep your emotions high card. Did you get any physical affection? That's your love language. I did get a nice, like, goodbye kiss today. It hit a little bit different. That's good. Love love when the either good morning or goodbye kiss just, just hits just right, you know? Yeah, it's just like a it's, – it's, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, that that good one. Not the just, like, I'm, I got to get out the door to get my 10 a.m. meeting. That, like, I'm going a, I'm to a miss you. I can't wait till I get back. What's your favorite form of kiss? I have a very clear answer. So do I. <laughs> uh, we do, you me, do you want me to go first just to set the tone of what's okay? For an answer here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my answer, very, very clear form of kiss. I love an in-bed goodnight kiss. Like one of those, like you're laying in bed together already. Maybe you're watching a show, maybe something, and then you get hit with the look like like the lean. Like maybe you don't even need, you don't even need to say anything. It's just a lean. And like she wanted a goodnight kiss. That always puts me in a good mood. That's a good one. I like the you haven't seen each other like over the weekend type kid, or like they just came back from work trips, so, like girls trip or something like that. Like that, 
that first return kiss. That's a great kiss too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great kiss. Should we be like a romance podcast? I think we'd be pretty good at it. <laughs> I honestly would like to figure out how many different categories we could podcast about and it would work out. Listen, I don't know I don't know where where Mal falls on the uh the podcast listening like spectrum or whatever, but Meg listens to this one podcast called The Toast with uh these two ladies, Claudia and uh, I forgot the other girl's name, Ashray. They're both sisters. One fire podcast. They got great branding and stuff like that. Um, I think that we could be, if we wanted to pivot, the male version of the toast. Mm. Dibs on being Ashray. They're both Ashrays. Oh. They're sisters. Well, you said you called one Ashray and you called one something else. No, the, the, well, I know one's name's Claudia. I don't know the other one's name. I know they're both sisters and their last name's Ashray. Got it. Dibs on not being Claudia then. You're going to have to figure that out. So that works out. I, I'm definitely the Claudia of the toast. You're the you're the other girl. And I'm the forgettable one who you don't even remember the name of. That that maps for sure. <laughs> 100%. I didn't even. Uh, okay. Let's get to the show today, shall we? Uh, I think we have some fun topics. You want to start us off with your YouTube comment of the day? Yeah, let's go with this one. Uh, one, want to shout out to you, Gregory, for coming up with the readiness report card. Everyone really enjoyed that segment. I did personally, too. Good, uh, thank you. We, might, we might need to trademark that. Yeah, I thank you. I appreciate that. We did get some good feedback on that. Also got some bad feedback on it. That comes with the territory. But uh, I think if we were to trademark it, I would want to make the first categories a little more objective than just like, do you trust them? Like... Maybe it's like, do you have a bench player that scores 10 points a game? Or does your coach have a better than 50% win percentage in March? Or Ken Pump, offensive ranks, defensive ranks, things like that. We could probably get more granular with it. But for the sake of our show, it was fun to just do, do you trust them? Because that let our personalities get involved a little bit. Yeah, we might have to run that back. Like like you said, like just going through honestly all the tournament teams or something like that that'd be kind of fun or like, i'll do least... a i'll do a little research project before the end of the week and we'll see what i come up with okay i'm gonna go with this comment from jmay 51 why espn talks about lebron's twitter and dax contract instead of signing guys these two with personality that actually watch games i will never understand hey espn hit our lines you know booking booking infos in the bio I'd be more than happy to talk about LeBron's Twitter or Dak's contract, even though I don't know if you want my Dak contract talks. Because uh, in 2015, on the streets of Panama City Beach, a young college Carter saw Dakota Prescott get slept in the midst of a function. And I'll never, ever be able to get that out of my mind. But I'd be happy to go on any platform to talk hoops at any time. Just hit our line, booking info in the bio, email us. Yeah, we, if you are listening to this, we need an agent, like legitimately. Uh, I think we are kind of at the point where we might be able to get a real agent on the media side, but mm -hmm. I don't have much interest in actually like doing the formal steps needed to get an agent. I'd much rather do things the sleepers way, which is like we stumble into whatever our next endeavor is. That's what we've always done. It's always worked out. There's a little bit of charm and charisma to it, which I greatly like. Uh, so if anyone's an agent out there that wants to be the actual sleepers agent, maybe for fees, 
and help us grow in the business side, please actually hit our line. We need an agent. <laughs> right. And but just know if you are our first agent, that's not you, you'll be gone in a certain amount of time, though. <laughs> that's a thing for sure. Yeah, like uh, the the first time clutch approaches me, uh, I'm you're getting dropped. Uh, we'll see about that. That might be the breaking point of sleepers, depending on how much I like whoever our first agent is. Like if our first agent is like similar in skill level to me in golf, we're never getting rid of the guy or girl. I don't mean to say it's just a guy. I'm open to all, all genders. I agree. Okay. Should we get to the discord comments? I would love to get to the Discord comments, Greg. Yeah. I would too. Uh, let's start with Malik Perry today, who says, Carter, what you mean? Do I know who's coming in the 24 class? 25 class and ads will tell us if the team is heading in the right. 23 and 24 is a good group. Just need a five and three. Greg, I didn't think Akins deserves flowers. So one of my little tips that I like to do is, you know, I, I, I promote products, things like that. Uh, Malik, I'm not sure if you have an iPhone or not, but there's this dope thing called like talk to text and you can just say what you want and it'll type it out for you because I can't understand what you're saying, my friend. And because I can't understand what you're saying a lot of times, I take it as disrespect. All right. Okay. And I don't want to do that, but you got to help me out because I'm struggling with, with what you're trying to say here. Another immediate comment from Malik. He says that Hall interview was refreshing when he said initials been getting shit all his career. I was like, who is this? He needs to do this more. Yeah, Malik Hall, the interview we talked about, he did mention uh, it was great to see AJ succeed because he knows he's been getting shit on for a lot of time. You're laughing? Huh? You're laughing? Yeah. What, what was the first part of that? It was great to see AJ succeed. Is that what he was happy about? Yeah. That's funny. Why? Just gives me a giggle. Why? It's just, it's just good to see those two sticking together. Oh, that's that's the angle. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, there's still hope for the Aaron Henry-esque finish to their careers. Maybe they become Spartan legends. That's the beautiful thing about basketball, Cart. The games have to be played. Performances have to happen. Sometimes surprises happen. Mario and Luigi, the Super 13 bros. Augie says in the Indiana game, Miles Colvin got in early for a decent stretch, which he hasn't done in a while. He produced offensively, but got a quick foul and allowed some blowbys on the other end. Do you think this is Painter trying to keep him happy, or is he making him prove that he deserves more minutes? And do you see Painter giving him more opportunities early in a game? Uh, I don't see him giving more opportunities in the uh, early on in the game because I actually do agree with Purdue fans in this regard is like, you know, they they don't need they're like the best one of the best offenses in the country. They don't need offense. Um, but maybe Painter is throwing him out there so he can show some things defensively to earn him more minutes. Um, I like that he did get some early minutes in that game, though. I thought that was a great move by Paint. And I think he could do it more often, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think we've spoken around this a little bit, but I do think Colvin's going to play more down the stretch, mostly because you already have essentially wrapped up the Big Ten title. And your goal is to stay healthy at this point. So play some of the bench guys that aren't going to be in the rotation come the NCAA tournament. I don't think there's a world where Colvin is playing in your NCAA tournament run other than late in the games and blowouts. I think he's he's formally out of the rotation at this point. And I don't think there's much he can do to change that no matter how much he plays down the stretch here. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily paint trying to keep him happy. I think it's paint being smart about handling the players that 
that really matter on this team. Uh, and he did look good. And in general, I do really like it when coaches throw young players, maybe true freshmen into big game settings, because I think sometimes you, you learn more about players in their biggest opportunities than you do in a random game against like Penn state. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Illinois put Dre Gibbs Lawhorn in against Purdue and like DGL immediately made some stuff happen. So I think that matters. Like the guys, the guys that do show up in their big like all of a sudden, oh, you're playing Indiana? Like Miles Colvin did something good? Like that's notable to me more than it would be if they were doing against like Northwestern. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Travis Nelson says, wow, Xavier Booker had some great minutes in the win over Penn State. I don't I don't want to I don't want to I I just don't want it anymore. You don't want what anymore? I don't want to. <laughs> to what? I want to protect my happy. I want to protect my peace. Aren't you happy? Aren't you peaceful right now? Your team's been cooking. You, you can never get too comfortable, ever. Xavier Booker played 15, uh, sorry, 14 minutes against Penn State. First time these two teams played. In a 30-point blowout? He had five points, which was the same number that Mai Sissoko had. He had three rebounds, the same number that Carson Cooper had. Played 14 minutes. It seems like he does that in every game that he plays. I'm just saying it could happen. I think maybe he gets some minutes tonight. We'll see. And I'm normally the person who says there's no chance. I think it could happen. Uh, as as Izzo come out and said he's going to try to play him? No, which is notable to me. Wow. Okay. It's notable. Tristan Freeman says, I must ask, how would Carter fire me if I was his employee? And what is my fireable offense? Well, first of all, I tell you to come in, have a seat, close the door behind you. Um, <laughs> Tristan, uh, you know, I, I we we had some complaints filed. Uh, obviously, you know the protocol of the company lunchroom is that you mark your food, you put your name on it, and that means it's yours. Um, and we have you on camera eating eating other employees' food uh, out of the fridge. And when approached you and when I asked you about it, you looked me in the face and you said you didn't do it. Uh, the cameras say otherwise. Uh, other employees have complained. We're gonna have to let you go. You love this way too much and you're way too good at this. It's scary. I want people to know for the record, we did not talk about this firing people segment yesterday. We just, we had that on the list. Like, would you fire these guys? It's not like there was a plan for you to role play. this. We just got into it. And all of a sudden you're pretending that you are these ADs. You did a great job with it. So thank you for being creative. But I just, I enjoy seeing your eyes light up when you get to do something like that. It's so good. Uh, sorry, Tristan, by the way. Good luck in your next endeavor. Super Woke says, who makes the All Big Ten superior athlete team? Basketball skills should not be a criterion. Just pure athleticism. Clifford Omorui, uh, Cliff Amorier, for sure, he thinks. Who else? Cliff Amorier, Cohen Carr, Terrence Shannon. There's three right there. Um, hmm. Honestly, sleeper pick could Trey Jackson be up there? No, he's kind of a he's kind of a freak athlete. Not like that. No, and I don't think so. I would put, I put other guys over Trey. Um, I think Jay Nakins. Jay Nakins used to be the bouncy freak athlete before Cohen Carr showed up. I think. uh his athleticism is still up there for me. Miles Colvin. Yeah, Miles Colvin. Yeah, I think he'd be up there. I, I just want to make sure we're not missing. 
missing anybody. I think that I think that'd be a good solid five right there. I the think that's yeah. I think that's our five pending us forgetting anyone. Um, like Roddy Gale, I don't think so. Uh, you could put Jameer Young. He has bounce, but I think I'd rather put Roddy Gale up there than Jameer Young. Roddy's got bounce. I'll go Roddy as the sixth man on this team. I think we got the right five, though. I think Aikens, Colvin, Carr, Amorie, and Terrence Shannon is the correct five. Fun can question. We put, can we put Boo Booey just because? No, not an athlete. That's part of what I love about Boo Booey. Uh, Regress says, I feel like people understand the importance and the impact of head coaches in college basketball. They certainly get the most headlines. I feel like most people don't realize the importance some assistant coaches can have on a program that's rarely discussed. A good example is Purdue's Brandon Brantley, who specializes in developing Purdue's big men. Considering the prevalence and success of Purdue's bigs in the 11 years he's been on, it's not a stretch to say he could be important piece of the team's success. I only know about him because I'm a Purdue fan. Do you know other examples of assistant coaches who are incredibly important to a program uh i mean there's a lot of assistant coaches that honestly go on to be head coaches that are important like i think back to what jerome tang was for for those baylor teams like he was inter- an integral part of those teams and assistant i think you and i know this and mo- honestly i think most fans do assistant coaches are extremely integral to the success of basketball teams whether it be Coaches that are in charge of the offense, in charge of the defense. I know PJ Thompson's another one, a Purdue shot that's really good. Um, you know, I'm trying to think who else comes to mind. I mean, Tommy Lloyd with those Gonzaga teams was uh, pretty prevalent as well. Um, but yeah, like there's a lot of situations too where even outside of X's and O's things, players just feel comfortable playing or have a certain relationship with assistant coaches that they might not even have that with the head coach, but the connection, the way that assistant coaches handle them is what brings them to schools. Like I, I, I liked my head coach. I did. I loved my assistant coach. Shout out to Mike Thomas. Like that was my boy. Uh, there were some rough ass times when I was there and like, he was always the one who would chew me out or let me know what's going on or always kept it real with me. So I appreciated that. Um, assistant coaches are very integral and important to uh, basketball hundred percent. They are very important. I'm going to go a little bit on the opposite side of this, though. I think anytime an assistant coach becomes notable enough that people are talking about them, the importance has swung a little too far in the wrong direction for me. A good example of this would be Michigan's Luke Yaklich back in 2017, 2018. It was well publicized that uh, John Beeline was not a defensive coach. All his teams had great offense, horrible defenses. It was never going to put them in a chance to win a championship again if they didn't fix that. He goes out and gets Luke Yaklich. Uh, Luke Yaklich, by all accounts, was the defensive coordinator. Beeline was like a details-oriented, insane person with OCD who was very horrible at not micromanaging. Like all his years as a coach, he would have his hands on everything. He hired Yaklich and basically said, you're in charge of the defense. I'm not getting in your way. That was this huge, massive shift. Yaklich ended up producing top 10 defenses in the country for like three straight years at Michigan. Uh, it, it was a huge narrative that beeline with Yaklich is now this massive machine. Yaklich is a breakout coach, yada, yada, yada. When beeline left, what happened to Luke Yaklich? Do you know? Did he go to uh, uh, Illinois, Chicago and stink it up? He did. 
which is uh, where he still is, I believe. But the fact that I even have to search this is probably a good indication of what's going on. Yeah, Luke Yaklich is in year four at Illinois Chicago. In his four years, he has gone nine and 13, 14 and 16, 12 and 20, and now 10 and 15. Uh, his best season was nine and 10 in conference play. In the last two seasons combined, his teams are seven and 27 in the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, by the way, how's his defense is doing? Well, he was in the 200s in year one, 300s in year two, 200s in year three. This year took a jump up to 122. It hasn't translated to winning basketball. So a lot of times coaches, head and assistant, get credit for the personnel on the team. That's what I would say. Uh, Xavier Simpson and Charles Matthews being on Michigan's team is why they had an elite defense. Isaiah Livers was the third best defender on those teams. Franz Wagner was on one of those teams. Like those guys are elite communicators, elite defenders, elite athletes. And does Yak deserve credit for organizing it and bringing those guys in and making them want to buy into a system? Absolutely. Is Yaklich some elite defensive mastermind who can go have success anywhere? No, not the case. Um, I don't know if that's the case with Brantley. Obviously, whoever's involved working with Purdue's bigs deserves a thousand thousand pieces of credit but this was also from a different conversation in the discord purdue wanted hunter dickinson and kalkbrenner before they got zach Eady. is is that some stroke of genius strategy that they ended up with zach Eady and not hunter dickinson no they lost those recruitments so they ended up with zach Eady. that's luck that happens and you give the coaches a, a ton of credit for it because what did they do with zach Eady once they got him they made him the national player of the year but those stroke of geniuses happen once every decade, maybe. Like it, it, luck is involved in this more than some genius assistant coaches. So the one assistant I would say I do have my eyes on with Purdue is PJ Thompson. I think he's been doing fantastic things with their offense, uh, like with what they run, the action. And mm -hmm. I, I have my eyes on him as a head coach one day. But Kevin Sweeney, last thing I'll say on this, Kevin Sweeney did an article I think back in January or December that was a spotlight on – PJ Thompson and some assistant from Colorado state who it's like, look at these coordinators who have been given the keys to running the offense on their teams. And it's really worked well for these assistant coaches. You should go read that if you're interested in this conversation. Cause uh, I think it has a lot of points toward the impact of assistant coaches. Shout out Kevin Sweeney from sports illustrated. Sean Vowles says is Pittsburgh going to mess around and make the big dance? I think so. Yeah, I mean, we're we're recording this after a, a massive road win for them at Virginia in Charlottesville. So I, I think that Virginia – I'm sorry, not Virginia. I think that Pitt's going to find their way in. They got some good wins. I think so, too. They have a great, 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 like, resume based on what they've actually done. They need to get the – or the predictive metrics up, which is kind of the opposite of what I was talking about with Michigan State last week. But I think at a certain point, you keep winning games like this, like – you can't keep a team out. They'll get to the play in at least is my interpretation of it. Boom fizzle 79 says lost in all the talk about whether or not there are any quote, great teams in college basketball is the discussion about more parity throughout the country. And if that's better or not, you guys and others talk about not having enough great teams in the final four, but then you look at the boredom and frustration when all you ever see are the same teams year after year in the postseason. A good example would be the Patriots. Now the chiefs or the Dukes and Kentuckys in basketball is more parity, whether because of COVID NIL or portal, better overall or not do people just pay lip service to actually wanting more parity in college sports uh is there a limit to how much chaos and parity should exist to make this still exciting and enjoyable to watch 
there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I'll start with this. I think there has to be like some middle ground. Like I want to see parity, but I also want to see the best teams play to win it all. Like I'm, I, I guess I might be on a different, different like plane than everybody else. Like I, if the best teams keep winning, then that's that's what it is. Like the Patriots kept winning because they had Tom Brady and they were the best team. Like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs keep winning because it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Like I want to see the best teams battling it out, the most talented teams battling it out. And do we need more parity? Uh, I don't really. I'd rather just have more good teams. <laughs> like just just have a a larger pool of good the great teams to pick from to win it all. Um, and I don't think we have that right now. You and I might be unique in that as a show or an entity in college basketball, we are not pro parity. Um, that's probably not going to change. I agree with a lot of what you just said. I would just point out this, the NCAA tournament opens itself up to parity more than most playoff fields in sports, whether professional or in college, the way it's set up just opens the door for random upsets to happen more than anything else. Um, that's beautiful. That's fun. I'm not anti upset, but you'll never convince me that a final four of quote unquote random teams that are more like 20th in the sport is better for the sport than two years ago when we got Duke versus North Carolina and Kansas versus whoever the hell Kansas played. You Villanova. Villanova. Like I was at both final fours. They're the first two I've covered as a media member. The first one was awesome. The second one was not <laughs> like, and, and people can pretend it was because we always want to preserve the sanctity of how special March Madness is. It, it's not, but I, I got ripped for this last year on Twitter. It, it's not a popular take to sit here and say, this isn't fun for your sport, or this isn't good for your sport when you don't have good teams in. It's not about brands to me. Like if a couple of years ago, when Obi Toppin's Dayton team was one of the best teams in the country, I would have loved to see Dayton in the final four. I don't care about the blue blood brands. I care about are these teams the best teams in college basketball? And if we're looking at it this year, let's think of a, an example of a final four that would be parity filled. I think Purdue, I think Arizona, I think like one of the SEC schools, Auburn, Alabama, or Tennessee. And I think like Illinois or Marquette or, uh, Iowa State would be a great example of a Final Four that I feel like is some of the best teams in college basketball that would also express parity. That can happen. I just don't want to see Clemson and Oklahoma and Florida and Wake Forest in the Final Four because that's what we got last year, a bunch of just average teams that somehow stumbled their way to it, and that's not good for the sport. And to your football example, for the record, Lions winning the Super Bowl this year would have been the ultimate example of parity, right? This right. franchise has never done it, got there. The reason the Lions didn't win the Super Bowl is because the Lions weren't the best team in football this year. Ultimately, their their issues caught up to them. And when the Lions do win the Super Bowl, it will be very clear that they are the best team in the NFL to me. Um, they're going to have to overcome a generational player to do that. I, I'm not rooting for Pat Mahomes to lose because he's the best player in the sport. Like, I want to see what he does when he gets there. Carter Bullhouse says, is Jawan for sure gone? I know it should be obvious, but with Michigan's athletic department, you never know. Can we save that for the Jawan segment? Yeah, we'll save that. Yeah, uh, I think it's trending that way. I'll say that. Guy says, we ran the real poll of favorite Discord member. Guy got 93 points. Do we 
Do we question the guys at the top of the leaderboard when guy is posting the real poll? Uh, yeah, I do. Also, I receive I received zero votes. That's not true. You got 38 votes. You're on the list. You yeah, finished, but like you finished seventh. That's crazy. Why? Do you think you got more votes than you deserve? No, I'm just saying this 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 whole discord doesn't go without us. Like, well, we're, I mean, we're, we're both we're both in the top seven. We should be top two. Yeah. I don't know how Melba didn't win for the record. No disrespect to Guy or Ryan Lyon. Mel, yeah, Melba should win. Yeah, Melba's hit. Melba's hit rate is just up. Just she hasn't missed. Ever. Yeah. Shout. I'll read the full top ten. Guy, Ryan, the Lion, Melba, me, Fam, Koi, you, Sully, Ulamog, Tristan. Love all those members. Um, no issues. Other than I, I honestly think you and I are too high. That's what I would say. You don't use the Discord, and I'm not putting myself over Fam, or Koi, or Ulamog, or Sully. I will put myself over Tristan. I'm putting myself over everyone in the Discord. Tristan does a great job with the the welcome packages, though. My wife was sitting; she got on our Discord for the first time in like a month last night, and she was like, "Wait a second, does Tristan welcome people in?" I was like, "Yeah, it's great." Is is is, is that that great though? It's really great. We're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna discredit Tristan. Travis says Purdue needs to reach the Final Four, or it'll be congrats finally losing to a single digit seed, or another loss to a double digit seed if they don't. Truly a tough scene for the Boilers. Yeah, they're in a tough spot with all the success they've had. Yeah, but I I mean, I think you should feel good right now as a Purdue fan. Like you should feel like Final Four is extremely honestly, you should feel that cutting down nets winning it all is very attainable. Yeah, I'm not going to feel bad for a team that's had so much success that they need to get it done in March now. Like that's right. that's just pressure of being a great program. You want to actually be a great program, go win in March at some point. Uh Janny Boy Terp says what player is the X factor to produce title run whose performance will make or break their success? I have the answer. It's Braden, right? Braden Smith. Yeah. Braden. yeah. If Braden Smith is at his best, Purdue wins the national championship. If he's not, then you need Fletcher or Lance to be great. And even then, I don't know if it can happen. Um, Ryan Lyon says, uh, to piggyback off of Guy and the results for the Discord MVP, how do five of 17 people not vote for Ryan Lyon? Do we believe this or do we think Guy rigged it? I, I believe that. Ryan, uh, you rub people's didn't vote for you because you call me a fake Michigan State fan all the time. So, yeah. All right, a little technical difficulty there. Uh, thanks, Zoom. Back into this. Uh, UK says, Carter, I need you to back – or sorry, I need you back on the Kentucky bandwagon. Here's my pitch. Every national and local media source has written them off completely at this point and are manifesting the end of Cal. Purely off of vibes alone, I can't see Rob Dillingham going out sad. That man told us after the AM game that he missed the go-ahead three because he's going to make it in March. Think Aaron Harrison during the 2014 Final Four run. Sorry, Greg. How dare you? Then you have Reed Shepard, who is visibly laughing before taking game time free throws. DJ Wagner has been in the spotlight his entire life. Uh, the rest of this is great. I'm sorry for the sake of time. I'm not going to read it all. Shout out to UK. Uh, but he brings up that Brian Ralph said he can't shake this team. Would not be surprised if they're in Phoenix. It's a good thing that Brian Ralph is in on this team. It's a great thing that I'm out on this team because I get everything wrong. Are you back in on the Kentucky bandwagon? Yes or no? I never left as long as Rod Dillingham keeps throwing on a jersey. Fair. Uh, yeah, love this Kentucky team. Just Play don't him. believe in them. Just don't believe in them. Uh, okay, middle name Mateen says, if you could go back in time and change three events to get MSU's basketball program on the right track, what would that be? I don't necessarily mean to make the last four years successful. I mean to make right now and next season successful. Change three things 
to get the team on track. Uh, he has some examples, but do you want examples or do you want to just answer it your way? I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll answer it my way. First, um, go to option two on uh, whatever the second center was on the board on the Madi Sissoko year. Um, number two, don't take Carson Cooper and go get a transfer center. And then number three, that would change the course. Sleeper pick here, but Julius Marble not transferring. I like the Marble. I think shout Julius out. Marble could bring something to this team. I like the Marble shout out a lot. I think it's uh it's hard not to make every answer just go get a big like. Get a big three seasons ago. Get a big two seasons ago. Get a big one season ago. It changes everything. But I like the marble shout out. Uh, just for the the idea of success, uh, I would have two. Uh, one, like, could we make the pandemic not happen? Slash two, could we make Cassius Winston's uh, horrible, tragic death of his brother not happen? To me, like, those happening in the same year robbed Michigan State of what could have been a really special year. And I know I make fun of Spartan fans all the time for – acting like it was their national title to lose. Uh, the reality is that that Michigan State team was not as good as it would have been if Cassius Winston wasn't distracted by the tragedy in his personal life. And I felt that we never got to see a special senior Cassius Winston season, not even because of the pandemic, but because of that. Um, then you add the pandemic on top of it. It's just not how his career should have ended. So if that happens, who knows? Maybe you get a lot more recruiting momentum. Maybe things change. Um that would be two that I shout out. And honestly, I would add a third along the lines of tragedies with point guards. Jeremy fears not getting shot would be massive for the future of this program. Yeah, um, so those are my two last one for today from the comments. Augie says, after listening to Greg's pipes, when is the debut album coming out and will you be performing at halftime of the national championship? Uh, no, I will not. No sleepers. One day we're releasing a Christmas album. I would like that for sure. I would like that for sure. What's yeah, Merry Christmas song. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Sync. We talked about this, yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, great one. What's yours? I mean, all all I want for Christmas, or this Christmas by, or or this Christmas by Chris Brown. That one's good too. The Bieber album's great. Yeah, yeah. all good. Uh, yeah, I don't need much of an excuse to get musical. Cart knows this by now, but uh, you open the door for me to get musical. Things are going to get musical, my baby. That's how this works. Uh, okay, let's get to our topics today, my friend. Uh, first one, I want to just open with it and get right to it. We made people wait for this uh, in the Illinois-Michigan recap. I said I want to do a whole segment on the show. So, sorry, this came out a day earlier than this episode did. You can skip past the next 10 minutes if you don't want to hear it. Uh, Jawan Howard hit the podium after the loss to Illinois in which they lost by 29 points and he fell to 0 and 8 against Brad Underwood. And he gave a quote. He was asked uh, by one of the Illinois writers. I'm forgetting the name now, but um, one of the guys that kind of went back and forth, took a veiled was shot. It Jeremy Werner? Yeah, I think it was Werner who didn't, didn't love us earlier this year. Uh, anyways, no shots at Werner. He does a great job truly. And this is a great example of that. This was a great question from Werner. Uh, he asks, Basically, like, what's your thoughts on Terrence Shannon's performance? And are you familiar with this type of game from him? And Jawan kind of sits back. You can watch the video. It's more telling than the quote that was tweeted. The quote that was tweeted kind of makes him look as bad as possible. The video is still bad, too. But the quote was, uh, yeah, you're welcome. Very familiar with Terrence Shannon. You're welcome. As you all know, he was committed to Michigan. You're welcome. 
That was Jawan Howard's quote after a 29-point loss after Michigan now falls to 0-8 in their last eight games under the Jawan Howard era against Brad Underwood. You want to say anything before I go or where you at with this? Uh, with a smile on his face, too, you might add. Smile on his face. Yeah. Uh, to uh, steal this from uh, a good friend of the program, Ant Wright, this was a Kenny Payne-level post-game quote by Juwan. It's If I'm a Michigan fan, like, I'm infuriated at it. Like, I just – I don't even know if I'd be able to control my emotions if that – if this is what's being said after – we just fell to eight and 17, 0 and eight against Illinois and lost by 30 on the road. That's, it's just a, I mean, just like, I don't mean to, uh, the, so what is it, pry at this, but like, where's the self awareness? Like, where's the, where, where's the thought process that this maybe shouldn't be the thing that should be said or talked about right now? Like, the, and, and it was a great question by Werner. Great question. It did not have, it, it did not have to go where Juwan took it. No. It makes no sense to me. No. So if you watch the video, it's a little bit better, but I'm not going to defend this at all. But if you watch the video, it's it's less of like him actually trying to take credit for Terrence Shannon, more so than it is him trying to like make light of it and kind of throw a, a joke out of it. Um, the joke did not land. It's a horrible look. But it just when I read that, I was like ready to punch a wall. And then I watched the video and I was still ready to punch a wall. I just put like a glove on so it wouldn't hurt as much. Uh, now, I will say this. Juwan's tone in all of this stuff has changed massively. And I think that's very telling of where this is headed. Juwan has historically been very cold with the media. He gives short answers. He gives you coach speak. He barely even meets with the media. In the last month, that's completely flipped. He's all of a sudden has this big character to him and he's super sarcastic. He's clearly frustrated. He clearly knows He's not long for this job. That's my read on this. Um, I also want to give some backstory because in our Discord, there were enough people that were like, what's he talking about with Terrence Shannon that I feel obligated to actually share what we know from behind the scenes of what happened with Terrence Shannon's recruitment and how he ended up at Illinois. There's a whole video on this from two years ago on the channel if you want it. But the, the story is this. Terrence Shannon was being recruited by both Illinois and Michigan when he transferred from Texas Tech. Terrence Shannon ran into academic issues at both schools as he would have ran into basically trying to transfer anywhere. That's the reality. Like this, it got made into this huge Michigan issue. Like their standards are higher. They're not. He, he had the same issue at Illinois. He had the same issue going to a lot of potential places he could have gone. He went to dinner when he was being recruited with Juwan Howard, Jet Howard, and Hunter Dickinson. There's this big picture that you can go find if you Google it of Terrence Shannon with these guys. He committed to Michigan verbally on the dinner. Like that was the plan after he committed to Michigan and everyone privately knew that this was happening. The plan forward in order for him to get admitted into Michigan and for this to work was that he needed to take summer classes at Texas tech that would allow him to enroll at Michigan. Uh, now Warren saying Terrence Shannon was a good student at Texas tech. He was an academic honors kid. He was not like a dumb kid. It wasn't about GPA. It was about this is a good student enrolled in a program where the credits don't apply to any programs at Michigan. The same way they didn't at Illinois, for the record, or many other schools. It was not a Michigan issue. It was an everyone issue. So Terrence decides he wants to go to Michigan. He commits verbally. That's what we've been told. He goes back to Texas Tech, says, I'm transferring. I'm going to enroll in summer classes. 
Mark Adams effed him over. Mark Adams said, you're transferring? You're off scholarship. That's what happened. So we, we have a whole video about this from when it happened two years ago. Because of that development, Terrence Shannon's family would have had to pay for his summer classes in order for him to go to Michigan. They thought about doing that. It was a serious contemplation. While they were thinking about doing it, Illinois still recruiting him. Underwood and the administration find a way for his credits to get transferred into Illinois towards a degree in a way that Michigan would not find a way for. That's what happened. It wasn't about standards. It wasn't about anything. And in essence, Jawan Howard is telling the truth. Terrence Shannon did verbally commit to Michigan before he ended up at Illinois. So we don't need to revisit it all, but hopefully that's some context for people who are like, why the hell is he taking credit for this? The point is this. How asinine do you have to be? How incompetently arrogant do you have to be to go get waxed by 29 points in a game you were down 37 and Terrence Shan didn't even play the final 10 minutes of the game while the students are chanting, where's your point guard who you academically failed and lost for the entire season to go sit at this damn podium and take credit for anything? I've lost it with this dude. I can't. I'm irate. I'm infuriated. I, like, I've just been sad. I've just been sad watching it play out. Now I'm angry because he's not even taking this shit serious. And he has to go. If if Michigan cares at all about its basketball fans, of whom there are very few at this point, by the way, that's not disrespect to the rest of my fan base, but you're losing people. And I looked at my mentions last night when I'm calling Juwan out for how stupid this is. And half the mentions are from Michigan fans being like, LOL, we won the championship. Who cares? I care. And a lot of people who actually <laughs> care about basketball care. And if anyone in the building that's responsible for this cares, they will fire this guy tomorrow. It's an insult. It's an insult to every player that stepped through this program. It's an insult to every fan who still gives a damn about Michigan basketball. And I'm done with it. I'm absolutely done with it. This is the lowest and most embarrassed I have ever been to be a fan of a program that was a Big Ten champion three effing years ago, Cart. Like, God damn, how far has this fallen under that horrible, incompetent man? Yeah, it's 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 truly this is the rock bottom and it's like that's that's the part that just infuriates me um because i put myself in those players shoes the season's awful everyone knows that it's a shit show doug suspended coach altercation with or alleged argument with former strength coach and then we get waxed by 40 on the road after getting waxed by 30 on the road in nebraska by the way where they ended up cheering for us at the end of the game when we hit shots because we were that bad. And our coach goes to the podium and starts it's it says that. It like it it it's just like as a basketball coach, no matter how bad things get, you can't check out. Like that's part of the job, right? Like you can't check out. And if you are checking out, at least do a good job of hiding that you're checking out. Don't let everyone else see that you're checking out. Don't let your players see that you're checking out. How do you like no bullshit? I don't mean to be dramatic about this, but you know, I'm the dramatic one of the podcast. That's what I do. I take it there. 
if I'm a Michigan player, why why am I why am I putting up with this? Why am I dealing with this? Why Should, am I showing up? Why am I going to practice? Why am I taking time out of my day and my life to practice for this team, to play, to do these things? When obviously everyone is checked out and no one cares. It's tough. Like it's this is right now what's being done is like damage that's going to take some time to build because right now if you're a high school basketball recruit aren't you like why am i going to this place one if Jawan's goes two for a program that is obviously showing they don't care about basketball because they don't i don't know i i am devastated i'm insulted i'm angry uh i i think it's very obvious at this point it's fair to say Jawan Howard has ruined his legacy as a member of Michigan basketball. Like this guy was celebrated when he arrived. He was emotional. The tears resonated. Everyone welcomed this guy back with open arms after they didn't for years. Like it, we were all trying to right the wrongs of like repairing the relationship between Jawan Howard and Michigan. I don't care about that anymore. And I'm sorry. I can't, I can't look at what Jawan Howard did with the fab five the same way ever again. He's embarrassing himself every time he opens his mouth right now. The same way he's embarrassed himself every time Michigan's been in a one-possession game for the last three seasons. The same way he's embarrassed himself every offseason when he's approached it by trying to sign players that can't even get into school. The same way he's embarrassed himself by refusing to go to a golf outing that would raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for NIL because he's lazy and doesn't care. He's done. He's done. His legacy at Michigan is someone who irreparably damaged what John Beeline built. And that will never change. And you can't watch highlights of Jawan Howard's days as a player anymore without viewing it the same way. And without hearing in the back of it, play it over the highlights. You're welcome, Illinois. You're welcome, team that just beat me eight consecutive times. You're welcome for my incompetence. What a joke. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> what a positive segue here. Most likely March heroes. You said you wanted this topic. Five players most likely to be remembered for something great they do in March this season. Who is it? Uh, I do want to do that. But as we get a live reaction and we record this pod live, I would like to say this. Michigan AD Ward Manuel. I have not really thought about any changes in our, men bas- in our men's basketball program at this time. I want to support Jawan. So don't really know how you want to take that, but that was just... Is that a new quote? Is that a new quote? I I feel like I heard that quote a couple weeks ago. Is that a new quote? This came from uh, Nicole Auerbach. Is she a Michigan person? Uh, Okay, yeah, that is a new quote. No, she's uh, just a Big Ten Network analyst. Uh, Oh, yeah, she's at the Atlantic. Yeah. Right. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so she she just tweeted that. Michigan AD Ward Manuel said that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Can can we move on now? God. Yeah, we can. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> well, you know, we, when I think about March, one of the most fun things about March is like those players that have runs, Um, you know, just like stars that you want to see in a March setting. Uh, I'm trying to think Um, if, there, if there's a player that I always wish had a March run, but never got one. It'll probably come to me, but that's not this segment. This segment is basically, and there's no guidelines on it. You can pick a star from the number one team. You can pick a star from a team that has no chance of making the tournament whatsoever. I just want five players that you want to see have a chance to play in March and possibly go on a run. I'd like to alternate if, it, if that's okay with you. 
Okay. My number one pick is obvious because of the comments that I said yesterday and the comments that I said earlier, if you saw our UNC and Syracuse recap, it's Judah Mintz. It's Judah Mintz following in the footsteps of the Ties Battles, the Malachi Richardsons, and having a run in the tournament. I think Judah Mintz is special. I apologize for the comments that I that made him think that he was not special. I think that he could be in line for a great run in March, and Syracuse might find themselves in the tournament. They have a chance. They're bubbly, but they could get there. Uh, I might approach this slightly differently than you. I hope that's okay. You tell me if it's not. I want I'm gonna do mine as like the five guys I think are most likely to just be the hero of March Madness. Ooh. Okay, yeah. I want to switch. I want can I all right take Judah well, off. I no, because I, I like the Judah Mintz recommendation. I think he could be that. They just gotta get okay. to the tournament. But like that's I'm 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 framing this as like the five guys most likely to be March Madness's hero, the heart of the Okay. Tournament. I like that. Okay. So I'll start down, I think, on the list near where, like, a Syracuse team is. Uh, I'm going to go Northwestern. I'm going to go Boo Booey, our guy, Boo Darius. He could, he could easily propel this team to, like, an Elite Eight with buzzer beaters, and America falls in love with him, 100%. I like that. Because um, hmm. I, like I like your guidelines. I like the, I like the way you – You can still you do bubbly. I'm just – I'm focused on, like, who are the guys most likely to just be the guy that catches fire and is the hero. Okay, well, mine is one of the more obvious ones is staying in the Big Ten. It's it's Nebraska and Kisei Tominaga. Like, everyone everyone around the country would fall in love with Kisei doing what Kisei does and putting up 20-something points maybe in consecutive games and winning one or two tournament games for Nebraska. Don't know if they're in or not. I feel like they're out right now, but if they get there, I think that Kisei could be capable. That could be good. I like that. Um, all right, I'm going to just – some of mine are going to go obvious now. The, the player in the country that's most likely to go, like, buddy-heeled through the NCAA tournament is Dalton Connect. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that's not mentioned enough. I feel like everyone always brings up, like, the R.J. Davis types. No one really brings up Dalton enough. I think there's a chance Dalton Connect averages, like, 35 a game in the NCAA tournament. And if he does that, Tennessee might just, like, win everything. <laughs> okay. Well, that actually matches. I like that pick. That matches up with my next pick, who's a wing. Uh, if he's healthy, I think it's Kevin McCuller. Like we've seen this story before with Kansas wings. Like this is the Ochai's, the Christian bronze, the Jalen Wilson's like McCuller's on that path. He just needs the March run now. I don't hate that whatsoever. Now I'm jumping all over. I'm going back to like your first one here. Uh, very Judah Mincy from this one. I want to see Kadari Richmond get a chance. Uh, I don't I, think I, you, I need you to I need you to show me the light because I like Kadari. I do. But I feel like I'm not giving him enough right now. And I need you to enlighten me. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody realizes how good Kadari Richmond has been. And it's probably because he got injured and has kind of just been like not the guy he was for the last two weeks or so in conference play in the Big East this season. Kadari Richmond's averaging 17 points, seven and a half rebounds, five and a half assists on uh 40% from the floor, so not great, but he's taking 14 shots a game, Like, and his shots are tough. He gets to the line a lot. He's 85% from the free throw line. This guy's awesome. Like, Just list that out, 17, 8, and 5? Huh? Like That's that's superstar stuff. And uh, In a Discord, we were back and forth with a couple people who were like, well, Tristan Newton, I would take him over Kadari, because I think we mentioned in the preview, Kadari Richmond was my second favorite Big East guard. 
Kadari's been way better than Tristan Newton in conference play, like way better. So I don't think anybody realizes it. I think he's single-handedly a guy who could like, you know, almost triple double his way in an NCAA tournament game if needed. Seton Hall just needs to get there. And it's also fun to watch Kadari do it because the way Kadari does it is like entirely tough buckets, which is really fun. Yeah. Okay. I I like that shot. I didn't honestly. I was completely unaware his averages were that great in you know in con in conference play. Uh, I guess I will. I'm gonna stick in the Big East because if anyone has been watching sleepers for the last couple of years, there's nothing the big cartel loves more than a nice little redemption story and a nice little redemption arc. <sighs> Tyler Kolick has a chance to do that. I don't think he had a good NCAA tournament run last year. He had the thumb injury. It, I think it hampered him. I truly think it does as much as I like to fit my agenda and narrative that he got packed up by initials, which he did. Don't let that go by. Um, I think that he could be in line for a very special tournament run. And it, obviously, you see what he did towards the end of the season last year. You see what he's doing right now. I would like to see him go on a three to four, you know, three game run or whatever it might be. But I think that he could be in line for a, a honestly a generational type March performance that we talk about for a long time. I like that shout. Uh, I'm so there's so many left that I have to pick two from here, and I'm really nervous about it. I'm gonna trust my gut. The one that would be the most fun one possible, Rob Dillingham. So. Ooh. But this, the thing is, it requires like, like Cal would need to get to a point with Dillingham in March where it's like, yeah, you're not like the every other game guy anymore. You're playing 32 minutes every night and you're leading us in shot attempts. That seems unlikely to happen, which probably prevents this from happening. But let's say like game one, Kentucky against like a 12 seed. Dillingham goes for 30 and catches fire. And Cal's just like, I got to ride the hot hand. And that hand stays hot. And Gregory, it's just, like, it could happen. <laughs> Gregory, I had a vision, man. I've had a vision. It's not the same situation, but it's similar. Because, all right, I'll, actually, let me, let, me work, let, me, let me workshop this one second here. Okay. If Rob Dillingham is in that 30-minute role, don't know how he gets there, don't know how it goes. But it could be, I think it could be eerily similar to a Kemba Walker-type run. Mm. Like I, I think that it could. Like I think that UConn team when Kemba made a run, were they a five seed? Um, maybe a four. They were lower seeded one of the years. Um, I don't remember what they were the first time. Or, or even if it's not a Kemba type run, even a Shabazz Napier type run. Like yeah. I, I think that Dillingham can be in that mold, and they have other, and they, and to be honest, they probably have better pieces around him than those Kemba teams had. Like Dillingham can be that guy. Like I just. I would much rather him, you know, consistently play 30 minutes a game. Yeah. UConn was a three seed the first Kemba year. They were a seven seed the Shabazz Napier year. Damn. So could maybe happen. more like a Shabazz year because they might be trending towards like a seven seed, to be honest. Yeah. Could happen. We'll see. All right. Who's your final one? You know, I got to be a homer. I was going to take him. I'm glad you took him. So it's, 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 it's got to be Tyson, man. It does. Like he's, he's, he's that mold. He's that type of player. He is. He was my pick for the record, but you just beat me to it, so you're going to force my hand with a different one, which means we can't forget about Max Acemas, can we? Yeah, we can't. Can we? We can't? We? We can't? Or we can't. I, didn't think, I didn't think you were going to go with that 
I thought you were going to go Big 12 guard. I didn't think it was going to be him. Do you think it was going to be Tamman? Tamman? I didn't, I, did, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be between two guys. I thought it was going to be between Gilbert cuz I think Gilbert is more like the score like the get in fuego type for Iowa State or Ray J Dennis. Yeah. Ray J wants 11 assists more than he wants 20 points. I don't think that's going to change. That's true. Um, he is averaging like which <laughs> I know we're not doing this, Illinois fans. I'm sorry. Like you can admit you're not, but you got to be sick as hell. You didn't get that guy. I'm sorry. For sure. I uh, I want it noted that neither of us took Caleb Love when given the opportunity. Just keep scorebook our our accounting department. Please make a note. Carter and I both individually did not pick Caleb Love when given this opportunity. That's a damn shame. Well, you have Arizona in the Final Four, so I figured got to be Caleb Love getting hot, right? Otherwise, he's getting cold. Yeah, it's just it's 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 the it's the nucleus of the team. It's the oh, unit. sure, sure, yeah. We'll see about <laughs> that when he takes twenty six shots in round one. Uh, okay, next topic. Uh, no, I'm going to scratch one of these topics for tomorrow. We can just do the Juwan one a day early. I want to talk about Purdue versus UConn. Everyone seems to have accepted these two teams are the best team in the country, except for Ken Palm, by the way, who still has Houston at the top, as do a lot of the advanced analytics sites. But people that are not computers seem to have accepted Purdue and UConn as the two best teams in college basketball. Everyone wishes we could fast forward and see that as the national championship game. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Let's just imagine a world where these two teams played today. What happens? Ooh, they play right now. What happens? Uh, truthfully, I think that I think Purdue wins the basketball game. I think I think Purdue wins. Talk me through it. Right now, I think Braden Smith is better than Tristan Newton. Uh, I think that they win with Edie, obviously. Or not obviously, but I think Edie is the better of the bigs even though it might be closer than people want to think. I think the gap's pretty far between Klingon and Edie, in my personal opinion. Um, Cam Spencer's been playing really well, I will say. So maybe you take Cam over Fletch. Oh, I don't know. It'd be such a good match. I truly think it'd be like a five, it'd be within like a five-point game, whoever wins. But I think that Braden being special and Edie being special will lead to them winning. Can we do a first time ever? exercise on this program sure we're gonna have to redo all of this if we actually get this in the ncaa tournament by the way but i'm fine with that i want to go position by position and i want you to grade positions scale of one to five and i'm going to keep track of points yeah so point guard purdue braden smith yukon tristan newton you can give them up to five points based on how good they are so start with tristan newton start with either I, okay. I would give Braden Smith a five. I would give Tristan Newton a four. I think I would go the same. Okay. Five, four Purdue thus far. Let's go to the two guard position. Fletcher Lawyer versus Cam Spencer. I give Cam Spencer a four. I give Fletcher Lawyer a two. I would bump both of those up one point, but. I would give Fletch a three, Cam Spencer a five. Okay. Yeah. Three is like league average starter to me. Uh, five is like star. 
Okay, so yeah, I, I I like three. If that's the scale, there should be a two point difference between them. But I like five and three. Yeah. Okay. So now UConn is ahead by one. Uh, nine to eight is the score through two. Uh, Stefan Castle, Lance Jones. I think they're both. Oh, I think they're both fives right now. Oh, I think they're both fours. They're both the same. They're not. They can't. These guys can't be graded the same as Cam Spencer and Braden Smith. Stefan Castle's been really good lately. They so both Lance been, Jones. They've both been great. They're they're like great third option guys. All right, e- four equals. So four. Thir- 13-12. Uh Trey Kaufman, Ren, Alex Caraban. Alex Caraban. <laughs> you know, you know, I want to give my dog a five. I'm gonna give Alex Caraban a. A four, and I'll give Trey Kaufman ran a shit. It's probably a two. A two. It's probably a two. It's probably a two. I was. I I almost said one, but I'll get two. So that makes it seventeen fourteen. UConn right now, as we get to the five, and it's Zach Edie Donovan Klingon. Edie's a five. Are you giving Klingon a five? I think a lot of people would. I think Klingon's a four. I think Klingon has to be a four in this exercise just because Purdue needs to win that matchup. But, like, against any other team, Klingon's a five. He's a star. So, uh, but we'll give Purdue the edge. So that goes from, it's now, it was 17 to 14. Now it's 19 for Purdue, 21 for UConn. UConn's up two points as we get to the bench. Off the bench, UConn has Hassan Diara, Samson Johnson, a good backup big, and Solomon Ball, a five-star-ish freshman. Purdue has Mason Gillis, and that one game he made nine threes. And what about, what about Heidi? And Cam Heidi and uh, Caleb First. Don't don't let me forget about Caleb First. Uh, Matt Painter sometimes forgets about Caleb First, but yeah, I'd give that group from Purdue a three, and I give the group from UConn a four. I would too. So that makes it 25-22 UConn to coaching. Dan Hurley versus Matt Painter. I think that you got to give Hurley the edge because he's been there and won it, and Paint hasn't. So I think you go five, Hurley, four, Paint. I'd give them both fives if the game was played today. If the game was played in the NCAA tournament, I'd give the guy who has won a national championship a lot more points than the guy who loses to a double digit seed. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I guess we don't need to even add that up to come to the conclusion that if we, if we do it that way, I think we both just said we favor UConn. The problem is you don't do it that way because that, that way doesn't accurately measure how much better Zach Eady is than everybody else. It also doesn't measure how much it, let's not, before we get to the everything else category, Zach Eady is so much better than Donovan Klingon. <laughs> I'm dead ass serious. Like he is better than Donovan Klingon. You're right. He's better than everyone that's played college basketball ever. <laughs> like, but we have to specify that it's Klingon. He's literally the best college basketball player ever. I just, I, I just don't get, like. If I'm taking Donovan Klingon 15, why am I not taking Zach Eady 15? I don't know. Age, I guess. Sick. Marketing, Danny Hurley. He's talking about how important marketing is. Marketing your players. Well, Kling Kong or whatever they call him is not as good as 
Zach Weedy. He's not, for the record. Uh, I just I think it's funny we have to make it like Klingon versus Edie instead of Edie versus every college basketball player that's ever lived because that's that's the fairer fight here, and it's still Zach Edie for the record. He's that good. Uh, yeah, look, as much as I enjoyed that exercise, that exercise is not the proper way to evaluate who would win a game. Um, the other side of this conversation is this. What team do you think should be number one right now? UConn's, uh, you, UConn's two losses this season at Kansas and at Seton Hall. They've won 12 straight games. They have wins over Indiana, Texas, North Carolina, all on neutrals, Gonzaga in a semi-away game. And then uh, their best conference win thus far has been Creighton. They haven't really played the good Big East teams yet, of which there are few. Purdue, obviously everybody knows they did March. Maui Invitational wins over Gonzaga, Tennessee, Marquette. Alabama and Arizona a couple weeks later on neutrals. Their only two losses at Northwestern and at Nebraska. Pretty similar to uh, UConn's losses, in my opinion. Who do you think yeah. has the better resume? I still think UConn does. I think you're crazy on that. I think Purdue has the best resume I've ever seen. My Other than the undefeated Kentucky team, because like Purdue did lose games. But like they, they have the best wins I've ever okay, seen. Well, hold on. You said best resume, though. So is that So you're saying Purdue's the number one team Like with that? I think Purdue is going to be the number one overall seed in the tournament. Yeah. Mm. UConn will be the second. And I think, I guess it's a different conversation who should be number one right now. Cause UConn yeah. is, but that's just recency. UConn just is on a bigger winning streak right now. Yeah. Well, that's what, but you asked, you said, who's the number one team right now. That's what you said though. Right now. Which, who's which team, one? which team do you think is playing better right now? Mm. They're both playing so good. <laughs> like, Purdue went to overtime with Northwestern. I probably say I probably say UConn. UConn had a close one at Villanova, one point win. I'd say UConn. All right, I lock you in your basement. I take away your slippers, and I tell you, you're never getting your slippers back until, until you tell me which one of these two teams is the better basketball team. What's your answer? I think you, I broke UConn, you. <laughs> UConn's a better basketball team. Wow. Can I get a three-sentence summary of why you came to that conclusion? more well-rounded I like I think they I, they're more well-rounded I think they have more pieces I understand Purdue has the national player of the year and Braden Smith um and other pieces like Lance but I I think I trust UConn in that setting and I trust UConn's pieces more I pick Purdue I understand why you came to the reason Ning that you just came to. My answer is that Purdue is better than UConn. My reasoning is this. Zach Eady is the best college basketball player in the history of the sport. It doesn't matter if your fourth through eighth players are better. It matters if your five players on the court are better. And Zach Eady is so much further ahead of any player who has ever lived that it makes up the difference between what Caravan is to Trey Kaufman Red. Uh, and lastly, 
comment section might not love this from a UConn perspective, but I'm going to say it. A lot of marches about luck. The luck's going to even out at some point. If you're telling me Matt Painter, if his March success ever actually aligns with his ability as a coach, he's probably winning a couple straight titles. Hurley is a champion. No one's ever taken that away from him. I think he's a phenomenal basketball coach. I don't think Hurley is like on a run where he's going to win six titles in the next couple decades. Like, I think he got his title. We'll see if I'm right or I'm wrong on that. This team's really, really good. But do I think there's a huge gap in the coaching come NCAA tournament, despite what the history says? No, I do not. I think Matt Painter is every bit the caliber coach that Dan Hurley is. Who's a better coach, Shaheen Holloway or Hurley? Hurley. Okay. Just wondering that from my notes. Not here to disrespect Hurley. Just here to say, like, because you're the most recent champion and your team is good again, that does not mean you have the magic formula others don't. March March catches up to everyone, including, True. you know this, including your coach after 20 years. March catches up to everyone. It does. I agree. Glad we kind of ended on opposite sides of that. That's fun. Uh, should we do one big thing presented by Bigby? Yeah, my one big thing, two big things, actually. I just wanted to let it be known. I love paint, but Hurley's head and shoulders above paint when it comes to tournament settings uh, until further notice. Um, okay. And my other big thing on the topic of coaches, I know this might ruin the live episode, but and this might come out. I don't know. I don't know how this works. I don't care. I saw the tweet, so I'm going to read it out. Uh, got a poor one off of Chris Holtman. Chris Holtman is uh, no longer the coach as of the Ohio State Buckeyes. What? Yep. Wow. Wait, we might. I think we need to do impromptu reaction to that. Yeah, he's no longer. He's out. He's out of there. Can we do a segment on Holtman real quick? <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, Chris Holtman. You lead this. I haven't even seen this news. What happened? Yeah, so uh, shout out to Tipton Edits. Uh, my dog, Joe Tipton, I got his uh, notifications on. Uh, and Chris Holtman has been relieved of his duties uh, as Ohio State basketball head coach. Obviously, he had the tough year this year, tough year last year. Um, we'll remember him for the good times of the EJ Liddell and Dwayne Washington years, even though those years ended in losses to Oral Roberts as a two seed. Um, but, yeah, it's a new step, new direction for Ohio State and look, I, I, honestly, I love Chris. I love Chris Holman, the, like the person. Like I actually like Chris Holman, the coach too. Um, in all honesty, but this is a move that had to be made. Um, this team just is. They had too many pieces to be as bad as they are. Um, so it's just a move that I think needed to be made. It'll be interesting to see where they go next. I'm no Trilly Donovan. I'm not sure like who the candidates are, or what who's going to be called, or who's going to be the next coach. But I do know this, if there are any coaches that are pro-tampering, pro-players, nice little player pool over that Ohio State if you want to make a couple calls here or there. Welcome to the coaching carousel. Uh, yeah, let's pour one out pour one out for Chris. Um, Chris Holtman is the nicest coach I've personally interacted with in my time as a college basketball media member, if you can call me that. Uh, I got to meet him at the Big Ten tournament last year. got to interview him. He was kind. He was cordial. He stayed and talked to me after. He was not confused as to why I was interviewing him and not Jeff Goodman. Um, he has kept in touch. He has messaged me in the offseason to tell me he's a fan of our work. I 
love him as a person. Who you are as a person does not indicate whether or not you deserve your job anymore uh, and a lot of jobs. And that's the unfortunate reality for him at Ohio State. The time has come. I give Ohio State's administration credit for doing it now. Hopefully this is the swift first of many Big Ten firings. I'm looking at you, Ward Manuel. You actually don't have to hit the podium and say you haven't considered changing anything. No, you can make changes. You can make changes, and some coaches that are good coaches out there can back-channel their way to your job right now. We, we can do that over the next month if you want to be serious about getting your program back on track, but maybe Michigan's not the way Ohio State is. So um, you're right. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Gale and Thornton. I do feel bad for the players that – uh, as much as I give them credit for moving on from Holtman now, I feel bad that they have to play a month left in the season without their head coach. That's really tough. Uh, probably arguably tougher than playing without your point guard, like Michigan has been doing for a month. In case you didn't remember that, Michigan's been playing without their point guard for a month because he couldn't go to school because Juwan Howard has lost institutional control of his program. Ward, uh, that's that's it. Who do you think are the candidates for Ohio State? Who would you keep an eye on? Well, if Juwan gets fired, maybe they just do a swap. Holtman to Michigan, Juwan to Ohio State. I would do that so fast. I would I would literally run to Columbus and bring Chris Holtman to Ann Arbor, but that's not going to happen. Um, name me, if you were Ohio State, who are your first three phone calls? Oh. You know, to me, and this is this could be completely wrong or off base, Ohio State strikes me as the type of program to hire like a lower level coach that has Ohio ties or is from Ohio, like even going like to the Mac. Like if you look at the recent success of, you know, uh, you know, Ohio fell off a little bit, but Jeff Bowles was a coach at Ohio. He was a former assistant at Ohio State, had a lot of success at Ohio State. A lot of players loved uh, Coach Bowles. Not sure how Ohio's doing this season. I uh, haven't really looked too much into him. But I can see them going to like, I don't know, one of the lower level Mac schools and maybe finding a coach. Um, I would call shirts from Indiana State just because that's a big name. I think it would it actually would work out. It'd be a step up for him to a Big Ten job. I think he could do some things at, Ohio, at a school like Ohio State. I, I'm so bad at coaching carousel and throwing names out there like that. I don't want to throw out some more asinine names, but I think those would be like maybe the first couple calls. Yeah, you stink at this. Can I give you the list? Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> sorry. With all due respect, uh, shirts. Oh, 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 I know. I stink at it. Shirts is a good name uh, that I think a lot of programs should keep an eye on. Shirts also just lost a quad four game and is now likely not going to get an auto bid to the NCAA tournament. Um, anyways, or an at large the NCAA tournament. He's fine. He's a good coach. Ohio State should shoot higher. I have four names, two that I think are serious, deserving coaches right now and two that I think are fun options that I actually could talk myself into that I would keep an eye on. The first two are uh, the biggest name on the list, Sean Miller. It is not a well-kept secret that Sean Miller does not want to stay at Xavier forever. In fact, uh, what I have been told privately has been Sean Miller is very open to becoming a Big Ten coach. We've heard him named as like a back plan for Illinois if Brad Underwood ever left. He's coaching in the state of Ohio right now. I think the moment Ohio State offered him the job, he would leave Xavier for it. Sean Miller's team is not doing great this season, but Sean Miller is a great basketball coach. Uh, if Ohio State offered him, I think he would accept. I think he'd be great. Um, second one, Lamont Paris. Talk about a guy who might win National Coach of the Year. He's been insane at South Carolina. They're 21-3 and three this year. This is a team who could absolutely win 
NCAA tournament games, plural, wins at Tennessee and at home against Kentucky. This team's awesome. Lamont Paris, uh, he comes from the Greg Gard uh, like system, so he has some Big Ten in his roots. He plays slow, great defense. He did really good in the portal. Lamont Paris has Ohio ties. I believe he's from the state of Ohio. So uh, I would out Gregory. I would absolutely call Lamont Paris, and I would call him quickly. I think it would be a no-brainer for Lamont to come to Ohio State from South Carolina. Now I leave you with the two fun ones. Wait before you get to the fu- wait before you get to the fun ones, sir. Don't let anyone ever tell you you're not you don't go crazy on the carousel. Well, I'm prepared on the carousel because I've been on my own carousel for about two months now. So ah. I, I I know all the names, all the options. You're never <laughs> going to talk me into Nico Medved. Uh, I have two two that I think are specific to Ohio State that deserve a call that some people might roll their eyes about. I don't. First one. Thad Mata. I'm sorry, but I'm just going to say it. I'm going to call it exactly what it is, and everybody knows this, and Ohio State fans would admit it. They never should have gotten rid of Thad Mata. Never should have gotten rid of Thad Mata. I don't care what you say. Uh, look, we've we've gone through it with Michigan now. We've gone through it with other programs now throughout this conference. When you have a legend who's gotten to national championship games, who's won Big Ten championships, who's made a Final Four, you don't immediately try to move on because he had two straight 14 lost seasons. Just don't do it. Like, I, there, there's a way better chance that Mata would have gotten back on track at Ohio State than there is uh, that the Holtman era would have worked. And Thad Mata has Butler in the right trajectory right now. He took over a Butler program that was horrendous under Laval Jordan, who I also love, and immediately in two seasons has flipped them to a team that's probably headed to the NCAA tournament with some great resume wins. The guy can coach basketball. He's still young. He's still in his 50s. He still has 10-plus years left if he wants to coach. Health is a concern. That's part of what happened at the end of his Ohio State tenure. But uh, listen, I don't know what the relationship is like anymore. I would assume strongly if Thad Mata had the opportunity to go back to Ohio State, he would go. And I think that would be a great full circle moment that would bring back a great basketball coach into the conference and give him a chance to close out his career the right way. Like that shout. Last one's a little crazier. But I think I like it. Chris Mack. The return of the Mack? Chris Mack, baby. Uh, Hear me out. Four years ago, Chris Mack was named as the best hire you could make in college basketball. We all abandoned that because of one bad season. Huh? We, We abandoned the idea that Chris Mack is the best coach in the sport because of one bad season? That's what we did? Uh, look, I've said it before. Bad seasons happen to good coaches. The, the question is, are you actually a good coach or not? Chris Mack made Xavier the best version of Xavier that it's been at Xavier. 28 and 6, 29 and 6, 14 win seasons, 15 win seasons. Xavier was a one seed under Chris Mack in 2018, just five seasons ago. He was coaching a one seed at Xavier. Then he goes to Louisville. His first two seasons at Louisville were good, man. He had a seven seed and a four seed. It's not like Chris Mack couldn't win basketball games at Louisville. Then you had the COVID year. Everything fell apart. Then you had one really bad season at Louisville. One really, really bad season at Louisville. And everybody abandoned this guy? Guy, Ohio Roots. He came out a week ago and said he's ready to coach again. Keep an eye on it. I'm not mad at that. I mean, 
Also, Mick Cronin has the chance to do the funniest shit ever right now if he wanted to. That would be hilarious. That'd be, that'd uh, be Ch- Chip Kelly. <laughs> yes, that literally would be hilarious. Like they take Chip Kelly, they take Cronin, they just they they scrap it. That would be incredible. Um, yeah, if Cronin goes to Ohio State, actually, that's a good shout. See, now you're doing the carousel right. Cronin's a good shout. Okay, wait. Can I try to keep this? Cronin's a great shout. How did I forget Cronin? Cronin's a great. Sh- you think Cronin's leaving UCLA for Ohio State though? I think Cronin 100% wants to pull the shock a smart move. The the I'm going to leave my employer before they fire me. Mm-hmm. So by UCLA, I need a pivot. And then Shaka goes to Marquette and suddenly he's great again. Like okay, I'm getting I'm getting the hang of the carousel thing. Let's go. Carousel's rock. great. Carousel's great. Yeah. I actually goddamn, how did we end this with you naming the best name? That stinks for me. That's a big win for you. Uh final of, official list from sleepers for Ohio State job. Mick Cronin, Sean Miller, Lamont Paris, Thad Mata, Chris Mack. And an asterisk at the end, A. Patino. Uh, what's next for Chris Holtman, quickly? Uh, a media tour with the Field of 68. You think that's it? Uh, did you notice where the news broke from? Was, was it from the Field of 68? Yes. All right, well, hopefully, hopefully we cross paths in the future then. Which would be great, by the way. I, that would be a huge gift for the field of 68. I think Chris Holman would be great at it. Give him like two years of that and then immediately back somewhere. Uh, he'd be really good. Can we get him on sleepers? Like, can we can we cut that off? We might be able to. I love Chris Holman, man. I'm rooting for you. It'll it, it'll turn around. It'll turn around. Um, okay, one big thing presented by Big B. What do you got? Um, my one big thing for today is uh, flowers are overrated, to be honest. Crazy thing to say on Valentine's Day. Well, real flowers are overrated because there's this new thing that I've been seeing as of late. It's like fake flowers that actually have like, they're you know, they have the flower scent and the flower feel, but they're fake and they last longer. Like, if you think about it, when you give someone flowers, it's kind of a job. You got to make sure they stay alive, water them, take care of them. It's like giving someone a task. If you ever gave me fake flowers, I would be so insulted by that. Wouldn't you be insulted if I gave you flowers? No. I love flowers. Can I guess your favorite flower? Sure. Sunflowers. No. Okay. That's all I got. Roses. I, I, that aligns. Okay. What does that mean? Just, I mean, it aligns. Okay. Uh, my one big thing is happy Valentine's Day to my wife. I love you, and I will get you flowers. In fact, I did get you flowers. I don't think flowers are overrated. We'll see you Friday.